Greetings, friends and family. This is the weekend of Sunday, July the 12th. And we're going to continue in our series, our survey of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to read today and look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 48. I'm reading from the NIV. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teachers and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penalty, or the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble... Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but to fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your, by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard it said that it was said an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take, you to, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. 
He causes His sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Well, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. At the last, at the end of last week's sermon, we, we confronted the difficult and the, the very tiring nature of the Beatitudes in relation to the Christian life and the life of believers and connected them to, to Jesus' command to take up their cross if the disciples wanted to follow Jesus. That's Matthew 16, 24. Humility is to be the job or the vocation or the task, if you will, of, of all believers. And, and, and this is incredibly difficult. For those who would follow Jesus, it, it certainly does not get any easier as we move to another section of the Sermon on the Mount, to the so-called hard sayings of Jesus, dubbed hard because they insist that our desires be as faithful as our actions. These sayings illustrate Jesus' connection to his, Jew, his Jewish roots and heritage as, as they recall the law given to Israel by Moses. On a side note, also like Moses, the disciples have climbed a mountain to hear the will of God. That's interesting. More specifically, the commandments that were given to Moses against being jealous and coveting come to mind since the first nine commandments dealt with more concrete acts such as stealing or sexual immorality or killing. And the tenth one commands that People refrain from desiring their neighbor's property or their neighbor's wife or anything that's not theirs. And as we began to, to recognize last week and look at last week, Jesus invites people to envision and enter into a way of life and a way of living that is different from the world around them. And the Ten Commandments are a summary of the requirements for this new, very different life. And behind faithfulness to these commandments, however, is, is the reordering of our desires, which requires a reliance on the power of God given to us through the Holy Spirit. You see, the law serves as a mirror. It, we, we see a, a reflection where we know we fall short, and in that way showing us that we, we can't keep it by ourselves, the law that is. We can't will it to happen, so to speak. This is one way that believers witness, by, by showing the world that, that people's desires can be changed, that a change in our desires will result in the way we, we characteristically act, but that none of this is the result of our own doing or our own efforts. It is a spirit-led transformation. The change in desires and then in behavior is a result of a life changed by Jesus not the other way around. Jesus said, You have heard it said that, it, that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist an evildoer, but if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. That's chapter 5, 38 through 39. And, and just as we heard last week, we are to count ourselves among the blessed when we are persecuted. And, and that this is linked to Jesus' later call to take up our cross. And, and now we hear Jesus telling us with authority, don't resist an evildoer. 
apparently even those who are doing violence to us. With, with, with this commandment and with the others that, that accompany it in the Sermon on the Mount, the church has often taken Jesus that and, and hit this stringency that this is just impossible to follow. But the danger of this implication that the so-called hard sayings of Jesus are only for those who find it easy to follow the rules or that the hard sayings are for only a small, very dedicated group of religious fanatics or zealots. If, you know, there's, there's a problem with that. Or, or if we happen to be a person maybe with a, a refined taste of moderation, some high degree of quote-unquote moral aptitude, we would find it easy to, to agree with all these ideas. But in, in light of the humility and the constant consideration of others that Jesus pervades his, his earthly ministry, always putting others first. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. It seems that Christianity has little room for such excuses and reason, meaning that this is not just about morality and the morality police. See, if we can't take Jesus seriously here about a different kind of life, then where can we take him seriously? The moderation argument seems more like a strategy used by to by some to sort of civilize Christianity to make it a respectable religion among other respectable religions, one that doesn't make too many unreasonable claims and will help us lead some good, balanced life in uh, in the eyes of the world. The response to these new commandments, therefore, can, can never be that there's a whole lot of stuff necessary for holiness that most of us can't do. Jesus' commandments aren't hard because they're impossible for us to live up to, but actually because they war against what we think is best for us. You see, we have always thought that we know best. It, it all stems from original sin. As we learned last week, however, apart from Jesus, who, who turns our assumptions, our very world, upside down and inside out, we don't know what is best for us or even what will truly make us joyous or blessed or happy. You know, as kids, we were, we were taught early on to, to stand up for ourselves and always look out for number one. And, and when we were wronged physically or emotionally, financially, whatever, whatever our, our initial impulse is to think that revenge will make us happy. These assumptions are, are deeply embedded. Deeply embedded. Rooted in us. They, they seem to rule our, our lives. Whilst does the very first of these commandments address the commandment not to kill and then command us to avoid getting angry at our neighbor, even before the command to turn the other cheek? Why else would Jesus lead the Beatitudes with blessed are the poor in spirit before talking about actions that lead to blessedness? If Jesus is about anything in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he is about changing our approach to life. In contrast to, to the understanding of morality deeply embedded in my brain from childhood, from, from cartoon watching where an angel sits on one shoulder and the devil on the other and the angel trying to convince me to do the right thing and the devil urging me to indulge my, my evil impulses, Jesus was so bold as to call us to work on having our desires align with our actions so that in acting well, we're not overcoming our evil desires, but actually acting in accordance 
with our desire to do what is right. See, surely this is what Paul must have had in mind when he noted that to believers that, that believers are to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That's Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Jesus's exegesis on the Old Testament law does not give us a ridiculously high standard that we can only hope to approach. It it tells us that even concerning our desires, our fantasies, our impulses, that we are deceived. We deceive ourselves. You see, we need a grace that empowers us to change. We need mercy for when we don't, and we need the Holy Spirit to lead all of this. Jesus' words give us the gift of imagining how our lives can be concretely different than they currently are. But we can't do it alone. But neither are we asked to. See, for, for Matthew's gospel, the good news is we find that, that we're also given a gift, not only the Holy Spirit, but a gift called the church. A place of Christ's physical presence, a spirit-filled community where we are trained not only to to, to think and to act, but to think in such a way that, that this action, that this free action, this alignment is even a possibility. I want to close today with reading Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Until we're together again, may God hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. And God bless.